Welcome to A Teaspoon of Healing, where we explore the pathways to wellness and vibrant living. Listen to personal stories of healing and interviews with experts. It's time to open a doorway to healing in your life through positive changes. Here is your host, Dawn Damari. Hi, I'm Dawn Damari, and you're listening to A Teaspoon of Healing. This is episode 15 of the podcast. And today is going to be a little bit different. Reiki Joe is back, and he's going to be interviewing me about how you can optimize digestion, a little bit about probiotics and fermented foods. This is part of a community outreach project that I'm doing for the Nutritional Therapy Association. So stay tuned for this interview. I hope you like it, and I welcome your feedback. So if you have any questions or feedback about anything I say, please contact me at dawn at teaspoonofhealing.com. You can also go to my website and contact me there. And while you're at the site, you can read my blog, download show notes, listen to past episodes, or read transcripts of the show. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein. And before we get into our interview, let's hear from one of our sponsors, Goff Tours. Hi, this is Goff, owner of Goff Tours, specializing in stand-up paddleboarding or surfing lessons. I even do snorkeling. You can reach me here. Orange County has what you're looking for. You can contact me via email at gofftours at gmail.com or mobile number is 949-338-5937, gofftours.com. Hi, I'm Don Damari, and you're listening to A Teaspoon of Healing. Well, today, we're going to do something a little different. Reiki Joe is here with me again, and Joe is actually going to interview me this time about a few things related to digestion and nutrition. And I'm going to disclose this. This is for a community outreach project for the Nutritional Therapy Association, where I'm in the process of being certified as a nutritional therapy practitioner and part of this is doing an outreach project where we reach out to the community and get some feedback from listeners as well. So if you listen to this and you have questions, please submit them to me at teaspoonofhealing.com. So how are you doing, Joe? I'm doing great, and I'm super excited to help you on this project because it's awesome. Because I've come across probiotics so many times, and you hear, you know, listen to your gut and... Obviously, I'm dialing into the energy and the instincts and that connection between the gut and the third eye and all that good stuff. But I haven't really dove into this the scientific side of this with the body and how it all works. And I'm super excited to learn more about it. Oh, great. And you're going to teach me so much. I hope so. I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm going to try. So many people are going to learn a lot. Yeah, this is great. You know, we talk about foods all the time, right? And right. with what I do, it's energy, what you're taking in. And But everybody is different, right? And digestion is different for everybody, but we don't really talk about it. You know, we're, we're always focused on what it is before it comes in and maybe what the end result is, like how we feel or 
what we look like, but hey, let's learn about how our systems work. And I think digestion's a big part of that. So why is it so important? Well, thank you for asking. Digestion is so crucial to our overall health. There are many simple things that all of us can do to optimize it. And, you know, like you said, we focus a lot about the food that goes in, what we do with it, how we look based on what diet we eat. But there's not a lot of talk about digestion. And if you don't digest your food properly, if your food isn't being digested in the proper way, you can be eating the best foods, but it's not going to be processed the nutrients aren't going to be absorbed properly. The food's not going to be broken down properly. So digestion is very crucial. And there's a couple simple things that all of us can do to optimize it. And digestion is pretty simple. I mean, it's complex at the same time, but really what it is, it's the mechanical and chemical breakdown of your food. And it reduces your food to molecules that the body can use. I'll just give a really brief overview Digestion starts in the brain, and so your brain is actually the first digestive organ, and we don't think about that. We think about the mouth or the stomach, the esophagus, but it's actually the brain. When you look at your food, when you smell your food, when you're anticipating it, that's your brain, and your brain is activating other systems within your body to begin the digestive process, such as the saliva in your mouth, the stomach acid in your stomach that's going to help digest your food. So it all starts in the brain. And so then it goes to your mouth. That's the second organ. So when you take in your food and you chew it, there's enzymes in your saliva that digest your starches and carbs. So then it goes into your stomach through your esophagus and your stomach is highly acidic. So there's an acidic environment, there's enzyme action and also a churning motion and that begins digesting your food. The acidic nature of your stomach also triggers the activation of a pepsin enzyme which is basically what digests your proteins, what breaks it down into what your body can use, amino acids and polypeptides. And your pancreas releases bicarbonate to make all of that really acidic stuff much more neutral because your small intestine can't handle the acid. And the small intestine is where all your nutrients get absorbed. The fats are broken down with the assistance of bile from the gallbladder. And then it goes to the large intestine and this is where a lot of water is absorbed. And this is where the bacteria in the gut make some of your vitamins. This is where you hear about the gut flora, the probiotics, the good bacteria. Well, this is where it is. It's in your large intestine. They actually make some vitamins. They make vitamin K and some of the B vitamins. And they use some of the fiber that you're eating. And they also repair the lining. Of course, then your body begins to prepare to eliminate waste. So I mean, it is a very complex process, but that's basically it in a, in a nutshell. But when any of these things are off, a lot of things can go wrong. And I can talk about these in another podcast. But basically, one of the things that can go wrong is if you have improperly digested proteins. If you don't have enough stomach acid, you don't have enzymes triggered to break down the proteins, well, they're still going to want to go out through the small intestine and be absorbed by your body. Your body wants the amino acids, wants the polypeptides. Well, the proteins are still going to try to go out. And what they'll do is they'll still make their way out, but they're big. Proteins are big because they're not broken down and they'll make little holes in your intestinal lining. And that's what leaky gut is. If you've heard of that, that's what it is. It's It can set you up for inflammation, autoimmune conditions, because then 
the gut lining is not protecting your rest of your body from some of the wastes and stuff for going into your body and vice versa, some of the stuff from your body going back in. So that's one of the many things that can happen. Wow. I think we take it for granted a lot. Man, how cool is it, right? That all the stuff's going on and it is energy, yet we do get blockages in certain areas and everybody's energy is different. So in gen- I guess it's more probably a general question. What can we do to optimize our digestion and on a basic level if, you, if that's possible? Well, yes, thanks for asking. There are actually two very simple everyday things that I'll talk about that we can do to optimize our digestive process, to optimize digestion. So the first thing that all of us can do is as much as possible, try to eat in a relaxed parasympathetic state. And I'll describe what that means, parasympathetic. Basically enjoy your food and savor it. It's like you hear they do in Italy or in France. They they sit down, they enjoy their food. They take a really long time. Well, we can't always take a long time with our food like they do in Italy, but just the basic gist, it's savoring it, enjoying it and being relaxed. So being in a parasympathetic state, parasympathetic refers to the part of the nervous system that is called rest and digest. There's also the sympathetic nervous system. That's your fight or flight nervous system. You've probably heard of that. So you want to make sure that you are relaxed. You're sitting down and take your time to eat if you can, 30 minutes or more. If you can't, that's okay too. It's mainly just trying to be in a relaxed state. And what this does is it signals your brain, like I was mentioning before, to get the digestion process rolling smoothly. Your saliva will have enough enzymes in it to digest starches. Your brain's going to signal your stomach to make the stomach acid, to prepare for the food come in, and a lot more. So savor your food and enjoy it and take your time. So if you don't do that, you know, modern society is very fast-paced. I don't know about you, Joe, but in a lot of the jobs I've had, weren't lunch breaks really rushed or short? Yeah, well, I'm thinking about my life right now and the life I share with my family and like half our meals were like standing in the kitchen or mm-hmm. something, you know, and we're on the Same go here. and holy cow, right? right? And you see people eating down, driving down the road. Yeah, lunch is like, it's like a traffic center or something, you know, it's people grabbing stuff, go, go, go. I don't no, think we're hitting that parasympathetic state. <laughs> I do know this and I get this, Reiki activates the parasympathetic system. Oh, really? So how cool is that? Got that connection in here. Yeah, and I want to mention to the listeners, this is Reiki, Joe is a Reiki master, Reiki practitioner, teacher. Yeah. So Reiki is so relaxing. It's so good for your body and relaxing. I didn't know yeah. that. So it activates the parasympathetic. Okay, so there's a connection there. Absolutely. So I'm going to start self-Reiki in before every meal, maybe actually my whole family, so we can all sit at the table at one time and nobody's getting up grabbing a Barbie doll or freaking <laughs> out over something, right? And we just sit there and savor our food. I love it. Yes. The quality family time comes on top yes. of that. See how it's all, it's Absolutely. all connected. Oh my gosh. Let's keep going. So yeah. So what happens when we don't get to eat in this relaxed state? Well, so basically a lot of lunches or even dinners, you know, you're standing up, eating at your desk, going through a drive through and rushing back because you only have a short lunch break and gulping down your food before you have to go to another meeting or you have to take your kid to another activity you know, and there's a lot of more important things to get to besides eating. And obviously that's not true. This is one of the most important things that you're doing is what you're putting in your body. So when you're eating in a stressed out way, your body is actually in a sympathetic state. Your adrenaline is released. It's that fight or flight. 
your blood pressure goes up and digestion is suspended. If you think about it, when you're trying to, when you're in a fight or flight mode, we're, we are built just like our ancestors physiologically. So that sympathetic nervous system prepares us to run away from a moose or, oh no, there's another tribe invading her village. So you're not going to want to digest any food. You need to have all your resources to fight or run away. So our bodies nowadays can't tell the difference between an invading tribe or a, or a bison trying to charge at us versus a really stressful time in traffic, a really stressful meeting, working at your desk on a really stressful product. It doesn't it. understand the difference. We just, it just doesn't. So a digestion is being suppressed at that time. So what you can do though, there so are some cool. things you can do. If you don't have a lot of time for lunch, you know, you, what you can do is look at your food before you eat it. Take a little time to look at it. Meditate for a couple minutes if you can, or pray, whether in your head or, or out loud, wherever, wherever you are, if you're religious or not doesn't really matter. Just express some gratitude for your food. Look at it and think, oh, how delicious that is. I mean, if it is some food, hopefully it's food you like. And that's going to signal that even if you don't have a lot of time, just taking that time to trigger your brain to say, okay, it's time to eat. So all of the processes are getting started. Attitude. It's energy, right? Yeah, Attitude of gratitude. Gratitude is super important. Before you eat, helps your digestion too. Man. Because it gets you into a, it just gets you into that relaxed state. So even if you have to eat at your desk, it's really right. not good. I mean, try to go in the break room if you can, if you can go outside to like a lunch table. If you can't, even there, you can, you have to yeah. eat at your desk. You can still sit, look at your food, express some gratitude, meditate. Don't let that crazy yes. Western lifestyle, right? Something else, maybe put a really stressful project to the side, even though you don't think you can, maybe answer some non-stressful emails. It's still not ideal, but it's better than working on the project yes. that you know you got to get in before deadline. You can take just a few minutes to eat in a relaxed state. And like when you're driving, yeah, forget it. I mean, that's I stressful. It. No matter what, when you're driving, you're on high alert. So it's not the best time to eat. Oh, yeah. We've all done it. I'm not I'm not perfect. I mean, I, I do all of these things too. Standing up isn't oh, yeah. you know, it's the same thing. I do it. And it's real it really can hamper the digestive process. So even if you're taking in great foods, yep, you're right. Even if you're taking in really good foods, it's not gonna be digested properly. And some of the maldigestion happen. It's getting back to our roots. It is. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Wow. And I can't wait to learn more about that stuff. But to chew your food properly. That's another thing that all of us can do. And this one's actually a little hard to do. It sounds simple, but, and it is, but maybe your mom or your grandmother or your grandfather told you between bites, you should put down your fork. My grandma told me that. Well, she was right. Really, you're supposed to chew each bite 20 to 30 times. I don't do that. I mean, it's really hard to do. It's good to just so if you can't get to that point, because that actually is a lot, then still just be mindful of each bite and chew it a little bit more than than normal. Definitely gulping down the food isn't good. So this is the reason why is when you chew your food really well, it gets your saliva to produce the correct enzymes to digest your starches and carbs. It's the beginning phase of digestion of the starches and carbs. It's called salivary amylase. So basically, if you chew it enough, the enzymes are gonna be released that partially break it down. 
Later on, down in the digestive tract, the pancreas produces a pancreatic amylase to finish that process of digesting the carbs and the starches. So if the food isn't being chewed, if you're not chewing your food enough, then the first enzymes, the salivary enzymes, there's not going to be enough to break it down partially. So it's going to put a huge load on the pancreas to finish the job and it's not going to finish the job. It can't. It's just going to, it's going to get, it's too much. So and if the carbs are not fully digested, you can have excess starch in your colon and it can feed a condition called candida, which I can talk about another time, but that's one of the conditions that can be caused. And so it's really important to chew your food. So those are two things that anyone can do. Wow, fascinating. I can't wait to talk about candida. Is it candida? Candida? Candida. 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 Yeah, there's so many other things. Like, yeah, so your carbs basically ferment. Yeah, you just really need to to break that food down. So then you're, because your pancreas does the rest of the job and it, it can't, it's, it's going to be too much for it. I'm sensing a theme here of slowing things down and mm. being present and being mindful and appreciating <laughs> the nurture nutrition, which is nurturing of our bodies. It's so cool. Anyways, you I had a really good so, point. Slowing down, slowing down when you're eating, getting into that parasympathetic state, chewing your food. The brain will trigger not just the salivary enzymes, but also your stomach to make stomach acid. Stomach acid. Yes. Okay. That's. I want to I wanna learn more about that because every time we hear about it, it's on a commercial or something, mm-hmm. right? Or somebody's got to pop a pill or they're, mm-hmm. they're you know, knocking their chest. So why do we need stomach acid? Because everything I hear about it is negative. You're right. It seems or like so you know, it seems. Have acid. <laughs> stomach acid is really important and it needs to be, it actually is hydrochloric acid. It's extremely acidic and it bathes your food and it sterilizes it. So if there are bad pathogens or microbes in your food, well, if you have enough stomach acid, it's going to sterilize it. And so that's really important. I didn't know this. I, I too always thought, oh no, you don't want stomach acid. But if you don't have that, you're not getting protected from pathogens in your food. And there's a particularly harmful bacteria called Heliobacter pylori. I know it's a pretty long word, but it's very common in society today, at least in American society, a great number of people have this in their digestive tract and the acid from your stomach can kill it. But most of us don't produce enough actually. And then many of us are on antacids or acid blockers. So these microbes, they live in there and they actually are what causes the stomach ulcers. It's these pathogens. So actually you really want to kill these these guys because they're really bad. So also... The stomach acid, it triggers an enzyme called pepsin to be made, and that's how your proteins get digested. It's, it's a long process, but it, if it's not acidic enough, there might not be enough bile being released, and your pancreas isn't going to release enough bicarbonate to make it more neutral when it goes into the small intestine. So then you've got something that's a little too acidic in there, and there's a lot of things in the chain of events that are not being triggered. So yeah, I always hear that it's bad too. And what heartburn really is, is actually it's the stomach acid going into your esophagus. Your esophagus does not have the lining that your stomach does. And so it can't handle the stomach acid. 
So there's a little sphincter there in between your stomach and esophagus. And sometimes it opens. That's when you get heartburn. It's just going the wrong way. But it's actually supposed to be in your stomach. And I was very skeptical about this too, because don't you see all the ads that say you shouldn't have it? Right, right. Yeah. Wow. This is so fascinating. And it's, you know, I think of that acid coming up and it's just simply misguided energy, right? It's true. You're right. (laughs) And your body's response. It's your body reacting to something that is not in balance. So, and I've heard it mentioned before, and our bodies are like swimming pools, right? And that balance between alkalinity and acids, very important for all these functions that you're talking about, all these systems to work in, in the, the amazing ways they work. But anyways, it's so cool. And this is so fun. But anything else I can do to help my digestion? beyond what we've talked about? there's a couple other things. I mean, there's many other things, but probably too many to talk about today, but a couple things. At the very beginning of this podcast, you mentioned probiotics. So those are something that you can take or consume. You can, some people take probiotic pills, but it's really good to eat fermented foods that those actually have probiotics in there. So you can also drink it like kombucha. Kombucha has probiotics sauerkraut, kimchi, yogurt. There's many different foods and there's also the the probiotics that you can take. So those have the good bacteria. That's one thing you can do. And that has the good bacteria for your large intestine that will help kind of crowd out the bad critters. It'll give you the right balance and it'll help make more vitamins and repair the lining. So those, that's something that you can do. Uh, You can also take digestive bitters They're herbal remedies. They help with bloating, gas, digestive discomforts. Go to your health food store. You can find them. And basically, you have to start those slowly, though, because they can lead to the opposite effect, you know, basically give you diarrhea. (laughs) So that's what I've heard. So I've been cautioned to tell people to, to do that very slowly. And also, you can take hydrochloric acid pills. I haven't done this. I know I don't produce enough. And I know as I eventually get older we will all produce less stomach acid. So if you're on, if you regularly pop antacids, maybe see your doctor and find out if you really need to or if there is an underlying condition down there that needs to be fixed, like an ulcer. Some people take hydrochloric acid. It's very important to consult with a naturopathic physician before you do. You know, conventional physicians, I think they would probably scoff at the idea, but a naturopathic physician would help you with that. They have like a called a challenge. They inc- you increase your stomach acid bit by bit until it burns. I'm a little scared too, but I, I know I need to, but that's something you can do. But again, to see a medical professional that's open to the idea before you start, but that's something that you can do. There's actually pills you can buy. But again, I wouldn't advise you just to go do it. Um, that's something you should talk to someone about. And there's other supplements you can take that one other day I can talk about, but, but yeah. Yeah, or, or like visiting your local herbalist, I guess. They probably have all mm-hmm. kinds of cool stuff. Um, but yeah, always consult with a professional before doing any major changes. And it's important because, you know, when you switch things up, things go in different directions and that can be. No, that you know, and relaxing, like you mentioned, the Reiki. Yeah. That works for you, the self-Reiki and getting yourself in a relaxed state. Like anything else oh, you can absolutely. do. absolutely. Also not lying down right after you eat. Some people think that relaxes, but that's going to push the food up. You know, it's just, it's good to, to not lay flat, you know, directly after you eat. 
maybe not gulp too much water while you're yeah. eating, you know, do a little before, little sips, you know, drink more before and after, but little sips are fine. I guess it can kind of mess with some of the stomach acids and stuff, but, but yeah, getting anything you can do to relax is good. Absolutely. On, on all levels. I don't think we ever think of a meal or consuming food as a practice that maybe we need to chill out for a little bit more, you know, mm-hmm. and um, the, I'm sure the effects are going to be huge, just like a lot of things. Little things go a long ways in positive ways. Fermented foods and probiotics are almost like buzzwords these days. Why are they so important? Well, thank you for asking. And they are so important for your digestion and for your gut health. You hear about gut health and immune health because it's tied together. There's a big portion of your immune system is actually in your gut. And they're finding this out more and more. So probiotics are actually just, they're, back, they're just bacteria, but they're, you think, oh, why would I want bacteria in there? No, there are harmful bacteria for us. And then there are some bacteria that should be in certain places, but not others. So if they get in the wrong place, it's going to mess with things. But the probiotics contain good bacteria for our gut. So there's a couple bacteria groups, lactobacillus, and I'm going to try to pronounce the other one. I don't know if I can. Well, I'll just mention lactobacillus, and there's a few others that you can find out there. There are even some yeasts, actually, that can function like this. And they go into your large intestine, your colon, and they crowd out the bad bacteria. And those bad bacteria can cause digestive distress. Maybe you've ingested some food that has some pathogen in there. So if you have enough of the good bacteria, they're going to just dominate So the because they reproduce. So the bad bacteria could reproduce kind of quickly. And that's how you're going to get, you know, digestive distress. You know, you hear about Montezuma's revenge in Mexico or Deli Belly in India. Well, many of those things can be helped if you eat probiotic foods or fermented foods or take probiotics before you travel because it can crowd out. There's not enough space for the for the pathogens to proliferate if you have enough good gut flora. So you are probably going to be less susceptible to getting those, you know, to get traveler's diarrhea and stuff like that. That's lovely stuff, you know, that can just ruin your trip. Oh, absolutely. What, what can disrupt our gut flora? So when you take antibiotics, that's a big one. So when you take antibiotics, especially for a long period of time, you know, people need to take antibiotics. I get it. They're useful. But what they do is they kill the bacteria they're designed to kill, but unfortunately, they also can kill a lot of the good bacteria in your gut. So then your balance of your gut flora is thrown off. So then these bad critters can start to proliferate. And that's why many people suffer from diarrhea during or after a course of antibiotics. It's because the good guys are, a lot of them are gone. So the bad even though they can kill, it's weird. So they can, it can kill a certain type of bacteria, but it can let other ones grow. So basically it just throws it all off. So what you can do is just make sure to take probiotics or eat fermented foods when you are taking antibiotics, just to bring enough of those good guys back. And, and especially after you're done with antibiotics. Oh, that's great to know. I think a lot of people probably weren't aware of that and that can help them get through that whatever situation put them uh, to be on antibiotics in the first place. But, you know, fermentation you, you brought up, what, what exactly is that? I'll just explain it really briefly. Fermentation, it's a metabolic process that happens that 
consume sugar when there's no oxygen. So when these organisms do that, there's some organisms that can live without oxygen and they're going to consume the sugar and they're going to produce alcohol, organic acids, or bases. So there's bacteria that can do this and some yeasts. And so there's a lot of things that can be made by fermentation. You hear about beer and wine, you hear about, well, bread can be made with yeast, but it's also these probiotic foods. Yogurt, sauerkraut, kimchi, the kombucha, these are made through a process of fermentation. So a couple examples of fermented foods, I just mentioned there's a few others. There's So some other examples of fermented foods, kimchi, tempeh, kefir, pickled vegetables. So this fermentation process also preserves our food. So in the old days, that's how a lot of food was preserved. And now we're rediscovering these old methods. There was also something else really good for us in those foods, which was the probiotics. So hope that helps a little bit. Yeah, and I'm glad kombucha's on that list. It is. I'm not a big tempeh guy, yogurt. I don't, yeah, you know, it's hard so if, you're, if you have to avoid dairy, especially some people can't handle the yogurt. Yeah, for me, kombucha helped me satisfy that whatever I needed in my gut that I used to, that beer used to hit really? that spot for me. And kombucha does that for me. So like if I'm ever, like uh, I was in San Diego last week and we were at the beach and wow, uh, first time probably sober at the beach <laughs> <laughs> on a spring break, right? <laughs> but we were sitting outside and oh, I'm, the name escapes me. It was amazing, amazing, amazing. Plant-based food, vegan food on Mission Beach. They had this kombucha that was so amazing. It it was like having a beer on a beautiful spring day at the beach. And it took care of everything that whatever my psyche, whatever ever needed, in so, so many great ways. And to know that it was a fermented food too, hey, it did a lot more obviously. Yeah. But so I don't like kombucha. I don't like sauerkraut. Can I just take like a probiotic pill or something? Well, there are pills, probiotics. There's a lot of them on the market. It's best to find a kind that's refrigerated because they need to, the organisms could die. And you try to find one that has multiple strains and you can, they advertise it. They have a bunch of different strains. Now it's not hundred percent regulated. So they say they're going to, many of the ones say they're going to provide a variety of bacteria. They may not. So know that. And it's big business right now. So what you see on the label may not be what you get. Some of the organisms may not make it through, you know, just like with fermented foods, but it still helps. And when you take a probiotic, there's also something called prebiotics. I know it sounds... (laughs) There's so many names, but that you can take. Basically, a prebiotic is just onions, garlic. There's It's a certain kind of fiber that these bacteria, when you ingest them, they're not going to stay alive unless you give them a food source. So they need a lot of this fiber that we can't digest. It's in onions, leek, garlic, apples, okra, bananas, so many foods that you're probably already eating. It's going to keep those alive. And you mean you can also buy prebiotic powders at health food stores, but you don't have to. You know, so like I said, it's big business right now. So just you know, just know right. that you yeah, you certainly can, but you may not be getting exactly what they're telling you. But it's still great. And again, consult with somebody who's an expert if you have questions on all that good stuff. Yeah, also you can make your own fermented foods. You can buy them, but you can make your own. And I put some of 
that information on my Instagram or blog, but you can Google it. And it is always important to consult with a physician, especially if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. You know, some schools of thought say it's great. You should have more probiotics and some doctors are going to disagree. So if you are pregnant or nursing, please consult your doctor before you consume a lot of probiotics. And if you have a compromised immune system, then you you don't want to be because it can create some infections. So definitely see your doctor before you start. Pretty much anybody should always be. True. Yeah, I agree. And I can't wait to try your kombucha someday. Yeah. So definitely make sure to see your doctor if you have any questions. And again, naturopathic doctors sometimes can provide the answers. But honestly, Western medicine is caught up and they, they, they do recommend probiotics. So I hope that helps. Do you have any questions or feedback? Like, do you have anything that you want to know? Fascinating. Absolutely. I learned so much today. Oh my gosh. And yeah. now I want to learn more. You, and I think a lot of things. Yeah. Is saturated fat okay? You know, it's a little bit off, but it's come up a lot lately. And it seems like I hear both sides. And I'm curious what to, what maybe they're teaching or have taught you or what you've learned. Yeah. And that's a huge subject that I can probably even talk about on another episode. But yeah, it is okay. And We've been told that we should eat a low-fat diet, avoid fats of all kinds, or just, you know, good fats. And, you know, there are many different kinds of fats. There's polyunsaturated, monounsaturated, and saturated. And yes, the monounsaturates are like olive oil and many other ones like that. Those are great to eat. But they always say stay away from saturated fats because of heart disease. Well, they're finding out there is no correlation between this. So cholesterol and the saturated fats are not what's causing that. It's more inflammation. You know, that's still kind of controversial, but basically saturated fat or fats in general are so important for your digestion and your health because they keep you full. If you eat food with more fat in it, you are more satiated and you can go a lot longer without having to eat again. It helps you with your consumption of food and it gives you more energy. It's a slower burning energy than sugar is. So, or sorry, than carbohydrates are. And it also makes your food taste good. So saturated fats, yeah, it's still very controversial. And some like the American Heart Association will say, don't eat the coconut oil, but um, there's a lot of studies on the other side. So I'm going to say I go with the other studies and I love coconut oil. So. Right on. No, it's fascinating. And it's crazy as all these studies come out and research and it's almost like we are programmed in an entirely different way at times, but you know, each, each everybody is different and everybody's going to find a different formula, if you will, that works for their system because we're all so unique in our own ways. It's really cool and fascinating. I learned a lot. Thank you for allowing me to ask some questions today, which we got a lot of answers on, but we have a lot more questions now, right? It's so cool. Yeah, and if anybody out there has any questions, you can go to teaspoonofhealing.com and submit it on my contact form. Just click on contact and you can I'll email you back and yeah, and thank you, Joe. It was fun being interviewed for once. <laughs> it's not that easy being the one interviewed. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. It's great. Yeah, I could do this oh, cool. all day. Well, I'm sure we could do yeah. it again, especially after I'm certified. I'll be wanting to talk yeah. more. Yeah. How exciting. Yeah. And wow, what aren't we so lucky to have Don bring us this knowledge and we can listen to it 
we can read about it. I mean, right? It's awesome. Thank you, Don, for for sharing your gift with us in the way that oh, you do. Well, thank you, Joe. Thank you for always sharing your gift too. It was interesting to learn about how Reiki activates your parasympathetic nervous system. So yeah, being able to self-Reiki yes. before you eat, Way that's cool. awesome that you can do that. So Yeah, getting into that state. And that's what Reiki does. It helps alleviate stress and bring you into a calm state for healing. And part of healing is nutrition and replenishing our energy stores, systems that we need to function at a great vibration, right? right. And when our vibes aren't right, dis-ease happens and it, it, we take it in, we take it in. So we have a lot of like control. If you want, if you, you're a big control person, control the foods you put in, right? You, right? There you go. That's on you. And optimize and, um, your digestion. Watch it. Yeah, watch you go. So cool. I just got goosebumps, so I know it's Aww. even more exciting because I'm really going to start paying attention to my gut. <laughs> thank you. Sweet. Thank you. We'll talk to you all again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Teaspoon of Healing. If you have any questions for me about digestion, fermented foods, or anything else that you heard in this episode, you can contact me on my website, teaspoonofhealing.com. Click on contact, fill out the form, and I'll get back to you. You can also email me, dawn at teaspoonofhealing.com. You can go to my Instagram, at teaspoonofhealing, or my Facebook page, facebook.com slash teaspoonofhealing. Please remember to subscribe, review, and rate this podcast on iTunes. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you very much, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Teaspoon of Healing with Dawn Damari, your home for wellness and vibrant living. For more resources on wellness and vibrant living, visit us online at teaspoonofhealing.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please consult a physician or other health professional before undertaking changes in lifestyle or wellness habits. The author claims no responsibility to any person or entity for any liability, loss, or damage caused or alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of use, application, or interpretation of the information presented herein.